Hi everyone, it's great to be with you again. This is part three of our new series, Faith in the Fire. Uh, our goal here is to help us develop a mature, God-focused faith that is robust and able to stand in times of suffering, in times of crisis, in times like this crisis that is going on at the moment. And so far, what we've looked at is a healthy theology of suffering. And then last week, faith in the fire of disappointment. Today, we're going to look at faith in the fire of anxiety. Someone said, there are only two times I'm anxious and three things I'm anxious about. The times I'm anxious day and night. The things I'm anxious about are the past, the present and the future. I don't know what your anxieties have been over the years. I've certainly had my share of, of them. I guess the prime ones that I've experienced have been things like um, health concerns from time to time that have been quite potentially quite serious. Things like when and where and how to move my family around the country a few times. Uh, things like children. If you've got children, you're going to know that you're going to have some anxieties. I wonder today if you're anxious. I wonder what your anxiety is mainly rooted in. I wonder what you've been anxious about this week. I wonder what you're anxious about this year so far. Perhaps coronavirus has raised your anxiety levels considerably. The BBC uh, website last week had a headline that said this, money worries in pandemic drive surge in anxiety. They cited a survey and the, the article said this, the survey's findings suggested that more than 25 million people in the UK rated their anxiety as high, which was double the number at the end of last year. Those suffering the greatest level of anxiety were an estimated 2.6 million people who said they were struggling to pay their bills. And then I guess as restrictions are relaxed a little bit, perhaps in the weeks and months to come, there's still going to be lots of anxiety. Will I catch the virus as restrictions are relaxed? Will there be a second peak? Will the economy recover? There's still so much potentially to be anxious about. Now, we all experience some unease, some tension, some pressure. That's normal. That's to be expected. I'd call that healthy concern, without which you'd wonder about someone. Imagine the university student who just doesn't seem to care at all about his upcoming exams. Or imagine the father who just doesn't seem to be concerned at all about his wayward children. We would think there's something slightly off there. But healthy concern becomes problematic anxiety when it's debilitating, when it's destabilizing when it affects a person's normal decision-making, their relationships, their sleep patterns, their work requirements, their general freedom to do normal things. Let me try and uh, illustrate the difference. When I was 19, I was playing in a church football match, which are, tended to be violent occasions in my experience, and uh, I had my leg broken in that match. And I was very anxious thereafter about ever playing again. And so I decided never to play again because of anxiety. But let's be honest, it wasn't really consequential. It didn't, hasn't affected my life. Football wasn't a big part of it anyway. However, 
I've, for years, I had suffered from dental anxiety. And while I went along for a while, that did have consequence because my anxiety stopped me doing what was a sensible, healthy thing, i.e. going to the dentist. I managed to get somewhat over it when after not going to the dentist for seven years, I was in terrible trouble and uh, needed to have a couple of teeth out. But for some people, anxiety is a virtually constant thing at a very deep level. Often producing great strife, even despair. There's a chap in my previous church who suffered greatly from anxiety in all sorts of manners. In fact, he, he also suffered from OCD and was very open about it. His anxiety was an ever-present background noise. It was kind of a, a lodger, an unwelcome lodger in his mind that limited his life. And it would become especially strong at certain points given certain situations that meant that he shrank back from doing some normal things. Here's something I love about the Bible and about the Christian faith. It's this. God speaks to every part of human life, including anxiety. Which is so important because you can't just not worry. I'm sure you've tried that. We've all heard the advice, don't be anxious, it may never happen. Don't worry. What good will that do to you? Don't worry, it won't change anything. Like that stuff works. It's absolutely useless. Simply trying to stop being anxious is never going to stop me being anxious. And then there's plenty of good ideas out there as well, healthy ideas out there for combating anxiety. Things like be active, things like connect with people, things like challenge yourself, do some volunteer work, basically try and distract yourself, you could sum those up as. But anxiety is such a strong emotion, often so deeply ingrained and continuously reinforced by our feelings, that it needs a stronger power, it needs a greater truth to counter it. So as the world races to try and find a coronavirus antidote. Does Jesus have anything for our anxiety pandemic? The answer is yes. Let's read some words here from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is speaking and he says, So I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? 
So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Here's where we're going in these next few minutes. Face it and fight it. Face it and fight it. So the first thing to say is that in order to fight anxiety, you have to face it. Which is relevant for all of us, but I think especially so for men. Men are famously known for, if you ask them, how are you? The almost automatic guaranteed reply is, fine. Very simple, stops the conversation just about there. You see, the admission of anything, almost anything, is seen as a weakness by most men. But real weakness is being too weak to admit a weakness. Now, as we'll see, Jesus' words in this passage we read are very powerful in dealing with anxiety, but they won't help unless there's an admission of need, unless we can identify and admit that I need his words because I need help with anxiety. You see, you can't address what you're denying. So let me ask you, everyone, but men especially, do you have the humility to say, Jesus, here's my anxiety. I'm not getting to grips with it. I really need your help. Before we go any further, I'm going to give you just a few seconds to pray, to ask for his help, to be real and honest with him. Why don't you do that right now? If you're a Christian, you'll know about speaking to your father. If you're not a Christian, you might still say, well, I I'm, in, I'm curious, I hope there's a God out there, I really need some help. Speak to him. Let me just give you a few seconds in your own words, where you are, to speak to him and be honest and say, this is where I'm anxious. Help me, please. So you've got to face it. Then you've got to fight it with truth. You see, once you've faced it, what does Jesus then say that's going to enable us to fight when our faith is in the fire of anxiety? We need a tool, we need some help, we need some equipment for that moment. Well, at one level in this passage, Jesus has what is just some great advice. Verse 27, he says, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Well, no, it's utterly pointless, it doesn't extend anything. Verse 34, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, yeah, again, that's absolutely true. That's great advice. Every day does seem to have plenty of trouble. But the real weapon that Jesus gives us for dealing with anxiety is all wrapped up in a word that he uses 12 times in this one chapter and twice in the passage that we read. Father, or your heavenly Father. The antidote to anxiety 
is learning to rest in your Father, the one who is trustworthy, the one who cares, the one who loves you, the one who is capable of holding all things in his hands, including you and your future, whose name is Prince of Peace and who can truly give peace like no one else. The biblical medicine for anxiety is having a truth that trumps the apparent truth that is currently making you anxious. The remedy is found in submitting my feelings to a higher authority, which is not denial, it's simply working out how to order apparent truths and which one has the greatest clout. For example, let's say I'm particularly anxious about a work situation. My feelings could run away with me. What's going to happen? How will this turn out? How can I cope with that? And so on. While I'm really feeling those things, what Jesus is saying is that I can submit those feelings, not deny them, but submit those feelings to a higher authority, to a greater truth. The truth about who my Father is and what he's like and who I am because of him. In 2009, a, an Air France flight from Rio de Janeiro to Paris vanished in the Atlantic Ocean. Various investigations, of course, were done, and the BBC ran a programme, The Mystery of Flight 447. That was its number. They investigated and spoke to lots of people, and they spoke in the documentary to one military pilot who had had some training that commercial pilots hadn't had. And he referred to this about learning to fly in the dark, when obviously you can't see the land around you, you have to rely on your instruments. He said this, you learn not to believe your body because your body will lie to you. I've flown on missions where I felt like I was in a 120 degree of bank, but I'm looking at that gauge and it's telling me I'm flying straight and level. It's a mental battle to believe the instruments when they don't say what your body feels. See, when anxiety grips, there's a mental battle raging. And the Christian has a truth to rest in that is greater than his feelings. He has a higher authority to trust than his fickle feelings. This is one of the great privileges of being a child of God, to trust and rest in him. In essence, we need a sight of God that is greater than the anxiety that we are seeing. So here in Matthew chapter 6, the passage that we read, I'm feeling anxious, but he loves me, verse 26. But he will provide for me, verse 30. But he knows me, verse 32. I can combat my anxiety with great truth that has great authority. He's my perfect father who will not, cannot let his children down. If he feeds the birds of the air and clothes the flowers of the field, there's no way he'll forget my needs and what's going on with me because I am far more precious to him than birds or flowers. 
I've got equipment to fight anxiety with. There was a gentleman in my previous church who was fit and healthy and uh, then began to notice that he was becoming a bit breathless from some exercise, uh, just walking around. And he realized that there was something wrong, went to the doctor and found out over the course of time that he needed a quadruple heart bypass. Now, that's enough to worry anybody and bring deep concern. This man had extraordinary peace, supernatural peace, peace that you can't get anywhere, but that he found in God. He found that knowing his father as all-powerful and all-loving gave him somewhere to rest. And he was genuinely at peace through that whole process. It was remarkable. Getting a sight of our Father big enough to defeat anxiety is something Tom is learning to do. So as some of you will already know, I've suffered with anxiety for a fair chunk of my life. And at its worst, it was completely debilitating. Um, I would struggle to sleep because I was afraid I wouldn't even wake up. And I would also struggle to leave the house for anything other than, than my work at the time. And it, yeah, it was a really, really tough period and a lot of pain and hurt during that time. Um, and at that time, I wasn't in a relationship with God. I still claimed to be a Christian, but I wasn't coming to church or really living a life for him at all. And it is only really in the last two and a half years when I've been back at church that I've seen just what a difference it makes to have a God that I can trust in, a God that gives me strength and gives me hope. And although I started therapy before I came back to church, um, I can see how God was protecting me through my therapy, even when I wasn't seeking him and wasn't seeing him at work. And even to this day, he continues to speak to me during some of those sessions that I have. But ultimately, it is my relationship with him that has transformed me. Um, I now have hope. Um, I have renewed strength that I never had before because it was mine and not his. Um, and even to this day, I still feel anxious sometimes because, as we've heard, you know, I'm not taken out of the fire. I still have anxiety but it is much less often and I've learned to lean on God and to draw strength from him before, during and after any anxious situations. He has given me a hope and a strength that I, I never thought were possible. And ultimately my, my life has just been completely transformed since coming to know him. And for that, I will forever be grateful to, to God. Thank you, Tom. So we have to face anxiety, fight anxiety with truth, and then you have to fight it over time. See, the trouble is that you might say, well, I've tried that, it, it didn't work. Maybe fine for you, maybe fine for Tom, but didn't work for me. But defeating anxiety isn't instantaneous. It's not like going into a room on a dark night switching the light on and suddenly the place is filled with light. That's just not how it works. Rather, it takes time to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a process of changing one set of beliefs for another. It's a fight that you'll have to engage in and not quit on. 
It's a fight that may carry on and on and on. And for some people, it will be a battle for the rest of life. But it is one where you can make progress and succeed, but it will take time applying the truth of God. I remember a lesson for how hard it is to change our minds it came home to me a couple of moves ago when I was living in my house and we, we just changed the arrangement of the drawers. One drawer may have had tea towels, I don't know, and, and we replaced it for one with cutlery. And no joke, for six months going to get a knife or a fork, I still went to the one that had tea towels. Just changing our pattern of thinking takes a long, long time. Please don't give up battling anxiety with the truth. Let me give you your horticultural lesson for the week. The rhododendron, as you may know, is a beautiful plant. But it's also a master, over time, of dominating an area with some very aggressive tactics. It's got a very dense covering that makes it very difficult for anything else to grow and compete underneath. Its leaves are inedible to animals and especially it engages in toxic chemical warfare. Its roots send out chemicals into the soil that make it impossible for anything else to grow around. Essentially, over time, it dominates its area and anything that tries to compete with it is driven out of that area. You'll have to fight anxiety over time by proactively suffocating the life out of anything else that wants to grow around and compete with your peace. Be transformed from anxiety to peace and confidence in your heavenly Father by killing off the lies with truth. But it will take time. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to face your anxiety and resolve to fight it with truth over time. Let me ask you a quick question. What's the one thing, therefore, that you're going to do differently when it comes to fighting anxiety? In a moment, we're going to listen to a song. During that song, if you would like someone to pray with you and stand with you because of anxiety or any other need that's going on at the moment, please click on the link to go through to prayer. One of our team will be delighted to pray with you. Please do that during the song. Don't miss the moment. Thank you so much for listening. I trust and pray that you'll know God's peace.